Good morning and welcome Love to Good morning and welcome to House Production Gospel Blog Talk Radio coming to you from two thirty one Sixth Avenue. South South here in the big city of Beatrice, Alabama Alabama, Alabama, Alabama on a Saturday morning. It is a beautiful Saturday morning, eleven AM here in Beatrice, Alabama, nine AM in California. We hope in the Uber Sutter Race Dialogue. People will be joining us here shortly here on Housey Production Gospel Blog Talk Radio. We're going to open up with a few words from the Uber City Race That's Dialogue. Association of Black Defenders, Uber Sutter Race Dialogue. To one in favor of the resolution, which requires the county to eliminate any policies that harbor racial discrimination. And while protests and chants of Black Lives Matter may not be echoing nightly through the streets anymore, work is still being done to build better relationships between local law enforcement and the community. Some of that work is happening in Yuba County through a group called Race Dialogues. Their goal, to find solutions to race-based division through compassionate conversations. Black Lives Matter! The chants, marches, rallies, and sights of fist in the air are no longer visible on a daily basis here in Northern California. But calls for racial justice continue in the form of discussions. Race Dialogues. A group of eight different people with four common goals. Create a learning community, deepen understanding of systematic racism and its effect on today's institutions, culture and beliefs, improve skills in countering racism and organizing for racial justice, and network in a way that strengthens and expands outreach, influence, and effectiveness in overcoming systematic racism. I spoke with four members, Joyce Pope, founder of the Tri-County African American Alliance, Yesenia Kachu, student support specialist at Marysville Joint Unified School District, Nayati Melissa Cleveland, community activist, and Susan Allen, teacher and author. The group says race dialogues is paramount for individuals to heal and move forward. This is the time. This is the moment. We are here now, and we need to look this issue in the face, and we need to have those dialogues, and we need to grow from that experience because we all can agree that it is a really uncomfortable time. It is a real uncomfortable experience to reach out and have those kinds of communications, but we know as a group here that our community can do that. The emphasis that I want to bring out in this is building the bridges between communities, people, individuals. Um, We all have different backgrounds. We all work at different places and have lived in different areas. We have such an array of diverse backgrounds, even with me and Joyce, having the same racial background on the outside, you know, we still have different upbringings, different experiences. So I think the race dialogue is not just good for cross races, but it's good for us inside our race to understand different points of view. My goal is to propagate an understanding of what's happening with systemic racism in our country. Taking a proactive approach, the group has already held successful roundtable discussions between local law enforcement and the community, helping bridge the gap. Cleveland says it's led to more positive engagement from police at community events. So we've had Juneteenth, things like that have been more publicized since then. 
the backpack giveaways that they've done for back to school. The police have helped the community in those giveaways more. So I do believe that it started bridging a gap. However, I believe that it only it was only a drop in the ocean. I believe that it knocked on the door, but unless we continue to do more of those, then it would have been for nothing. Race Dialogue says their discussions with police took place well before the death of George Floyd, who died while in custody of Minneapolis police. Floyd's death sparked months of unrest across the country and put a renewed spotlight on law enforcement's use of excessive force, violence, and racism. Since the incident, Race Dialogue says they've been working to schedule another discussion with their local law enforcement agencies. The hope is to come to an understanding so that what happened in Minnesota doesn't happen in their community. I expect more growth in the future because they were receptive to us before, and I expect the police department to continue to be receptive to our, our ideas because these are ideas that are supporting the community at large, and I believe the community would appreciate that as well. Members of Race Dialogues have been hard at work these last few months. They've successfully implemented a four-credit workshop on the film 13th at Yuba College. Khalif Browder was walking home from a party when he was stopped by police. A galvanizing documentary which refers to the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which permits slavery as a punishment for crime. We're going to discuss each part and how it pertains to today, how it pertains back then, and how it connects. They plan to offer additional panel discussions with Yuba Sutter community leaders and law enforcement. They're also holding book discussion groups to enlighten the public on systematic racism. The goal is to pass along valuable information that will be sustained in the community for years to come. Race Dialogues does realize not everyone is open, ready, and willing to learn. But for those who are, this is a new day. None of us have been here before. We've never had the courage to talk about race face-to-face -face with all the individuals that it affects. It is not the black person's responsibility to teach our white comrades in regard to race and the pain it has caused us as a group of people in this country. But in order to heal, in order to go forward, I think all the players in the community have a place. We all have a place today at the table. As for what a positive path forward looks like. Getting rid of implicit biases. Understanding that we are more alike than we are different. Mm -hmm. It looks like having a community where the police aren't policing the community but one with the community, that they're helping the kids cross the street and not chasing the kids across the street. We all know that can happen, but at least try. And we want to see that effort. And I, I look forward to Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to the Yuba Center Race Dialogue phone-in conference this morning. We want to welcome all of the folks out of you were sent to California to Beatrice, Alabama, and House of Different Gospel Blockhouse Radio. Good morning, guys. How y'all doing on a sunny, sunny, sunny Saturday morning? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you, Freddie? Yeah, we're doing okay. How y'all doing? What? 
What's yeah, happening in California? Can be here. Huh? What now? What you I say? said doing good and happy to be Yeah, yeah. Let me turn some of the stuff down here in the studio. Let's see, I got everything down so we don't be getting no echoes. Can everybody hear me well? Yes, sir. Yes. All right. Do we want to, as if they establish your order, who who wants to go first and start us off this morning? Bring us up to date. Hey, let me say this. Um, you know what? Um, we are pounding on the door. We are doing our part, but we got a lot of work to do, guys. I'm telling you, uh, America is caught in a quagmire. It just can't free itself from, uh, and that is um, the issue of racism. Some say it doesn't exist. Some say it don't talk about it. Some say if you ignore it, it'll go away. But every once in a while, it'll rear its head in the police department. It'll rear its head, not every once in a while. It'll rear its head at the government. It'll rear its head at school. It'll rear its head at college level. It'll rear its head. It, and, and, it, and it's just ingrained in it. So um, I appreciate what you guys do, and let's get at it. Again, good morning and welcome. Who wants to go first? Uh, is that an order? You guys can establish well, an order if you want to and go for it. Okay. I Bring would us like up to date. I would like to start by saying uh, the video that plays in the beginning is very informative, and it did give us quite a bit of exposure, I believe, with what's going on in our community and what we're trying to promote. Um, But I do want to make a correction. The systematic uh, definition that she was using, I feel, is better served if we say systemic, because it means relating to a system, especially as opposed to a particular part, and the part of the system that is opposing us is the law. So I think systemic is better because they're trying to cut off black people specifically and keep us down through legal means. So I just wanted to make that a uh, little correction. Okay. Uh, say it again. That's systemic. Yeah. Systemic racism okay. instead of systematic, yes. Okay. Now, I, I asked you guys last time, after we do the broadcast, I need somebody to go on the uh, Blog Talk Radio website after the broadcast, post your comments, post uh, updates or videos, all kind of information related to I know you have it on the website. Now, I can post the whole website, but I would like for you individually go on and post uh, your feelings or whatever on the website after a broadcast, especially after broadcast. Now, today's broadcast, uh, I believe everybody should have that link. Uh, if you called in, uh, you did dial into that uh, particular link. So post your comments after the broadcast or during the broadcast, whatever way that you want to. Um, please do that after this uh, broadcast. I asked before, but I didn't see anybody post anything. But anyway, here we go. Um we had an update on, on the use of the word that we need to be using in conjunction with the broadcast, and uh, we will, in the future, make sure that word is included in our uh, uh, pre before the broadcast. Okay, let's um, 
bring everybody up to date from you all's perspective of what's happening, and then uh, let's just get into what's going on today across America and across the world. Hello, Freddie. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Thank you. My name, my name is Joyce Pope, and uh, as a member of the Yuba Center Race Dialogues, um, we certainly appreciate your having us on your show today, and we want to make sure that we communicate that to you clearly. Uh, as well, we have continued to be busy in our community, and we are continuing to do the work that we laid out, that we were prepared and are uh, having our focus uh, in the very beginning. We're still working on those things. We did successfully provide four presentations to our local community in regard to the movie, the documentary 13th, that deals with school-to-prison pipeline and the institutionalizing or the um, mega um, focus of arresting black and brown individuals in our community and the laws that have been put in place that support those activities. The militarization of the police department as it moves through our communities um, has caused us to want to show our community these things and why they're in place and why they're inappropriate and why we need to work on these goals. Um, Right now, I am from Elizabeth City. I'm I'm sorry. I'm from North Carolina originally, and I could not help but notice the strife that is going on right now in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. And these things are continuing to happen in our community and we want them to come to a halt. We want communication to start and continue to take place in regards to, in regards to race and racial issues in our community. Knowing that this conversation is uncomfortable, those conversations need to be had. I cannot help but go back to your initial statement in regard to some people say they don't want to talk about it. Some people say we don't need to talk about it. Some people say let's sweep it under the rug. Some people say wait, but as Martin Luther King stated, wait, wait, we continue to wait. We can no longer wait. Our youth have seen us wait. Our youth know that the wrongs are there and they continue to experience those wrongs even in grade school in the first and second grade. This is happening in our educational system because of rules, regulations, and laws. And we need to do something about those things. To say wait means you're not willing, interested, or prepared to want to have that dialogue. Or perhaps it is you do not have the skill set to be able to have that dialogue. But we challenge those individuals to come forward and engage in communication because until you acknowledge what the problem is, how can you address the problem? And I am really proud of my participation in this group, Yubisada Race Dialogue. And we, right now, are offering those, that workshop on the movie 13th to our local community college, Yuba College. And we have one more presentation to do on May 5th. And we invite the students for extra credit to go through this work 
up with us, and it has caused in the process a lot of feedback from the community. Every workshop we do, we facilitate a process of input from the community with ideas geared towards action, solvable action steps that can be taken, resolutions, things we can look at and work on in our community to improve things and make things better and prevent the kind of thing that happened in our country thus far. And thank you again, Freddie, for allowing us to do this. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome indeed. Uh, again, uh, thank you, Mr. Pope, for opening us up this morning for the broadcast. Um, who's next? Me. I'll go. This is Corey, uh, the young representative of the group. Um, I would like to say that through uh, doing this type of work and doing these workshops, I, I've realized that there is a demand for this, these types of conversations. There is a desire among young people to have these conversations, to make change, to be a part of that change. Um, specifically, like Ms. Pope said, we are leading workshops uh, through the college, through the community, and we're seeing a good response to those. Uh, the community workshop was mostly for older people. I mean, not specifically, but that's kind of who showed up. And uh, the workshops that we're doing now are for the students specifically. But I did reach out to other people, and I found out that there's quite a few interested parties that don't apply to either of those groups. So now we're kind of seeing what our, our beginning goal was uh, of these discussions was to kind of have the discussion that started with us and then branch out from there and have other people want to be involved and have their own discussion groups and take it to their own communities so that it spreads further and further. And I think we're seeing, you know, uh, the growth of that seed at this point uh, with the interactions that I'm getting. People are interested. They want a group for themselves. Younger people are reaching out to me asking, how can I participate? What can I do? What books are we going to read? That kind of thing. So I think we're making a dent. It might be a small dent, but we are making one, and I think uh, with time, maybe in a year, we will have, you know, amazing coverage. We'll have several groups. We'll have a lot of interest. We'll have a group for people uh, that aren't black, you know, that want to know about this. Maybe an Indian group because we live in a population with a lot of Indian people. Maybe we'll have a group of Asian people talking about it. We'll have more coverage in different areas, and we'll have different uh, connections and resources, and hopefully it'll just spread further. I think we've made a lot of progress in the amount of time that our group has uh, been formed, but I can see that there is room for more, and there is a demand for this, and I'm very happy to see that we're going in that direction of people no longer being complacent with what is going on and rather wanting to change the narrative and come up with it on their own and educate themselves and see what they can do to, you know, personally fix the issue. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Great, great, great. Any more opening uh, remarks uh, before we get to digging deeper? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, he- hello, Freddie. Thanks, David. Uh, good morning. Good. Good morning. I. I think. I think you know it's especially important now that to keep pushing and and to take this opportunity. You know, I. I've lived my my whole life. I've taught the last fourteen years, and and we've always known this this ugly truth. You know that gets talked about every once in a while. And now all of a sudden has really sprung to the surface in a very strong way. Um, you know, we have the recent uh, verdict of uh, 
the 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 person that uh, the cop that murdered uh, George Floyd uh, getting locked up. Um, I was so glad to hear that, um, and it's sending a message, you know. And now is the time, you know. We 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 had that victory, and sometimes when we have those victories, uh, we want to pa- pause, and it's important to pause and to to celebrate that victory, but to also understand that George Floyd is probably not he his death how many others have died that there wasn't a camera that there wasn't a video we have to remember that and now now is the time to continue the push to to have the consistency uh you know as we dismantle uh institutions of hate um uh, we we need to build uh institutions of unity and institutions that make sure that these institutions uh, don't come back. Uh, and that's that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping Yuba Set a Race Dialogue uh, would be here 20 years from now so that even my son could be a, a part of it. And I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful of an opportunity to teach uh, where I don't have to, to, to teach and sell a lie uh, to where we can sell a dream for all, all students. Um, and I'm hopeful, and um, I'm I'm ex- I'm happy to be in the fight. I'm happy to not have to take a back seat and watch. Um, to be part of the group that says, you know what, we're not going to be passive. We're not going to watch. We're going to step up, and we're going to get in this fight, and we're going to do something. Um, I'm excited to work with other groups that have uh, the same goal uh, and interest. Uh, you know, it was really good. We, you know, we we just fin- we, we have one more presentation uh, for Yuba College. Uh, we we have some discussions of possibly doing some um, discussions and presentations uh, for Yuba City uh, for the the possibly for the t- uh, t- uh, for the teacher training for Yuba City and for Marysville. Uh, we have some possible connections there. Uh, but it's just about, you know, when you don't have, you know, the, the, flashy, the flashy slogans, the big trials, and when things begin to die down, it's just continuing to put that work in uh, and, and pushing. And, and I'm, I'm glad to be here, Freddie, and I hope that we keep working together. We keep pushing and keep this thing alive, and we just keep moving it forward. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, any more comments? Can I add on to that? Right. Uh, uh-huh. I'm Yesenia Kachu. Um, I work for a school as well. And um, alongside with what we're talking about with the workshops that we've been working on and providing for our community, I would also like to emphasize for those who are in the education system, whether you are a custodian, a support counselor, teacher, uh, administrator, even part of the, your district, um, I do want to emphasize that uh, if you are seeking to have these conversations in your district, but it's very difficult for you, there are ways to get that support. There are ways to, to start pushing that agenda into your school. Um, a lot of our schools here are starting to gain that momentum where there's enough people 
who want to see change in our schools, who want to uh, support our students who have been um, marginalized by our system, and we recognize that. And so there, I know that there are many schools here in our country, um, and so and so I I emphasize that you know the change is possible, and these conversations are. Um, able to happen if, if you don't know where to start, um, look around in your community or other communities and see what they're doing. Be a part of, uh, you know, the change that you want to be, right, to, to make that change. And reaching out, uh, even though it might be uncomfortable at first, you will gain a lot of information, knowledge, and hopefully that causes a, a chain reaction. And, you know, that's what we want to emphasize with reaching out with our workshops is that to just bring about, you know, these conversations and especially because a lot of our youth, um, brown and black uh, individuals, children are in our school systems and it's, it's good to, to represent them, um, especially if you are in a community where um, there's a lot of, you know, black and brown children in your community and there's not a lot of representation for them. Um, it, it, it speaks volumes for them. And so just keep in mind that we as educators are there to support the students. And, and so having, being able to have, be courageous um, and step forward to continue to support the students, they will see your actions, maybe not directly, um, but they will notice it. And so I just wanted to add that little piece for those who are listening and are educators who want to create a change in, in their district, um, that it is possible. There's I, uh, <clears throat> a little background about m my story. I went through this district as a student and now I am a part of the district. And being able to be a part of the change that we're hoping to provide here at the district and where I'm at um, has been really amazing because I've been waiting for it since I was a child. So it's been really good, even though we've had really good teachers and support for those who are, you know, black and brown stu students, not, not every staff member was as understanding or open. Um, and so have, being able to be a part of this change has been very much one of my dreams. And so I just want to emphasize that it is possible to have hope and to continue uh, searching for that fight and, and to, to continue that change. And so that's, that's what I wanted to say with that. All right, all right. I want to add this right here, guys. Um, I run a um, – I'm chairman of the board of the Pacey Corporation, and I do gardening and uh, farming and growing fish. And every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon after school, um, 21st century students meet with us in the garden and in the greenhouse, and we cover a multitude of things. I want to be able to – how can I get a copy of that? film, that video, and show it to my uh, gardening and aquaponics and fishery class and gardening, because I think this 
this just I even though we doing this, I think this is important as well that we bring this in into my environment. And that's what I do on the radio. That way it'll connect to them. They can listen to this radio broadcast if they students so choose to tune in. How can I get a copy of that video and show it for my uh, students on Tuesdays and uh, Thursdays afternoon after school? You know, Freddie, you know, that's a great question. And the content is universally important across our country right now, and we're really proud yeah. of that. I know that David is a young man, and he uh, is on our team, and he has knowledge in regard to technical kinds of things, Mm -hmm. as well as actually Yesenia and Corinne as well. However, one of the things as an old 70-year-old lady that I bring to the table is that I don't don't have that skill set, and from my observation point, and these three young people can tell you better, but why am I speaking, right? They should be. <laughs> However, I'm going to do it anyway because I'm from North Carolina. That makes as good a reason as any. And say that from my observation point, the ability to provide that one segmented piece of tape required, because we're filming a discussion from our introduction to uh, the, the entire process that we take these students through, I do, though, believe with a little nit and tuck that our young folks might be able to size that piece of film such a way that it would be beneficial to them as well, Freddie. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Freddie, I have David? a question. Uh, 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 Freddie, to, to get that video, um, it's offered on Netflix for free. It's called The 13th. Um, but I can also send you the, the link uh, through Facebook. Uh, they also have it up for free on YouTube. So I okay. think, though, uh, Dave, what Freddie is asking for is the part where we are we have sliced the film in four parts. And the yeah, yeah, providing, breaking it up. Yeah. Providing Both this dynamic good. dialogue between the community and ourselves, he's asking if he could get that segment. Uh, yeah, you could watch yeah. this movie 13th on Netflix anywhere as well as YouTube, but I think he's wanting an answer in regard to our part and how we've used that, that piece of tape in our community. Yeah, both. Okay, that, so he'd want that, like the stopping points on and the guide. Yeah, is that yeah, right? Because Freddie? see, yeah, because see, see, what I'm 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 getting at is that in the education arena, they are particularly in 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 some places are about what students see, but in the environment that I I am in in 21st century, these are uh, futuristic, bright students. These are. These are the ones that's going to be out there in the future. These are not going to be the ones that are hanging they? out in the alley. They, they How are, old are they, they are, Freddie? Are, anywhere, from, anywhere from 12 to 16 years old, 17. Yeah, they are, the tenth, they are, they are uh, 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th graders. They just finished their, their beginning high school. And then some have been in high school a couple of years. 
And uh, I, I really want to uh, engage in this uh, seed planting of are you aware of what's going on? Are you just uh, prison to what happens at school and at home? I know you're aware of what's happening in the rest of the world, but let's talk about it. Other folks are talking about it. Other folks are dealing with this. What are you, you, you know what I'm saying? What are you as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 16-year-old, what are, what what are you what are your words? What is what you saying? What are you doing? What are you feeling? You see what I'm saying? Freddie, I, one, I'm not talking Freddie, a lot. The, I'm not, not So what now? One of the good things about the video that we one of the good things about the video that we have is from doing the pres, community presentations is there are sessions in it where we have a focus question or group of questions that the present group of individuals are asked to do. Look at this information, consider this information, and what do you think? And what do you think are some of the resolutions and uh, answers to this concern? What, and, and then we stop and we have a breakout room, and in the breakout room they have these discussions about what they saw and about the discussion questions and they come up with some facilitation of discussion back and forth with the audience where the breakout room is from five to ten minutes long, and they're discussing these issues, which is a, allows for an observer to also vibe in with what their perception of what resolutions could be as well in that particular segment. And then we go back to the main group where they share what those, ideas that came up in those discussion, discussion group breakout rooms, and it expands the content of the information in such a way that, more, that one person could not have come up with all of these ideas. And we like that facilitation part. We like that involvement part. It is so valuable to the process what the student or the person that is participating in the workshop is getting out of it. That is so important. So um, I'm not sure about the technical part myself in regard to um, how to provide you with that information, and and how. But I do defer to our younger folks. Like I said, I'm 70. What do I know, right? <laughs> well, um, you know, listening. You don't know. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, listening to Joyce and uh, you know Freddie have this conversation, I feel that we can give you this information. Uh, we have linked to our sessions that we've completed thus far with the college. We are working on our fourth one, as Ms. Pope said, on the 5th of May. So that one is not completed yet, but we do have sessions one through three recorded already and links provided for them uh, to students who want to see them. So if you need those resources, we can uh, find a way to send them to you and you can show those to your students. The only potential drawback to that would be, uh, as Ms. Pope was saying, our breakout rooms because Zoom does not record the breakout rooms. It only records the main room, which is where we show the video and we list the questions in the main room, but the discussion piece is not documented via video from that. So uh, that would be the only potential drawback. But I don't know if I'm supposed to spill the beans on this or not, but we are working on our uh, our own podcast uh, to be able to provide this information to the community better. So I have written down uh, that there is 
demand for, you know, these discussions and students might potentially want to be involved in this. So there might be a way where we can curate a series um, and kind of have that discussion on our podcast for the parts one through four. That way they can kind of follow along and see what we would be normally talking about in the breakout rooms since that is not captured on the video. So I think that would be a way to do that so we I can reach out to you or you know Dave or somebody after this is over and we can set you up with those links and really discuss uh, what we can do going forward because I think I commend you a lot for you know wanting to give this to the students I think it is really powerful information and the younger that they have it the better you know they'll be able to go into the community and have knowledge of what's going on around them yes it is and you have dialysis okay thank you and I, I, and I think also too. Um, minutes to get ready. One of the one of the things that's um, important uh, when when working with the youth, and I'm I'm speaking as as a teacher, is to help the students um, to become aware of of how things are working. And I, I I think with the 13th video, the way it goes into the history of Black Code laws that came after slavery intentionally uh, set up to incarcerate blacks to, to use as slave labor, um, there's some value in those uh, discussions to say, you know, well, it wasn't like all of a sudden a wand came and someone waved a wand and that went away. It didn't, it didn't go away. And uh, I, I'm reminded of a story with a, a young man. Um, basically, he was trying to get him, him uh, to to make good choices, to do good in school, to not have a problem. He uh, got his grades up. He had all Fs, and he got all the grades up, and he was doing really well. Um, and uh, we were trying to – the school was, you know, threatening to ex- expel him, and we were trying to keep him uh, out of the problem. And uh, one day he, he came up to me, and he was really frustrated, and he's like, Mr. Johnson, the students, they keep saying – I'm smelling like weed, they keep saying it. And he was really upset because what was happening is students would make jokes about him smelling like weed, and then a teacher would smell weed, and it wasn't from him. It could be in a bathroom, and all of a sudden they would call the school and say there's complaints about weed, and I smell it, and he would just automatically get sent. And so you have that dynamic which – which is happening within the school system based on um, ba- based on stereotypes, based on different, uh, you, you know, ways that we as a society uh, have been, I guess you could say, brainwashed to criminalize uh, even at an early age. And so if students in this discussion could realize or could see their part you know, to the student that was making that joke, if that student could be aware of what that joke was doing, to the friends of this student, if they could realize what that joke was doing, if we have more awareness when these types of things happen, uh, they seem like everyone's joking, but if the students could have awareness, you know, then they could stand together. You know, if that kid's making that joke about weed, but then two other kids stand up and say, hey, you shouldn't be joking about that. Why are you doing that? Uh, you know, this is where we can't just depend on the education structure itself uh, to, to fix this because it's gone on for so many years and it's still going on. 
Um, if we can create that education amongst our youth, it can be another tool that we can use uh, to fight against uh, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, as, as, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Hi, this is Yesenia. Go ahead. So, um, to, to add on to what David was saying about students, and um, it does take um, students, you know, not to just be bystanders, but to advocate for themselves and others. But at the same time, um, I do want to emphasize that these are still children that are still learning to communicate. And um, when they present, you know, with someone who is an authority um, and has been told to just comply by family so that they don't get into bigger issues, they're not going to know how to speak for themselves or advocate for themselves. So we as educators, um, in my vision of how I see how issues, how a, a staff member should support students is by training, um, workshops, uh, PLC, which is professional development, that has to do with um, systemic issues or the educational system regarding with minorities. Having these conversations and the districts being able to implement these things and support um, these structures that are happening, um, meaning support, meaning as in making it aware for other people how um, uh, how this affects the students to that depth with the story that that um, David was sharing, and you know to to go back with the want you Friday wanting to support this um, the 13th discussion and video with your students um, I would suggest I mean we have uh, the links to the questions also where we um, kind of gotten a lot of resources to to find where we could find a guide for 13th we also have those resources for you if you would like them we could forward them to you and in these uh, guides uh, there are the questions that we have mentioned, uh, and it tells you when you should cut off a, a section. So it really lets you know how, where to stop with these uh, 13th discussion, discussion questions. So uh, part of that with working with students, what I've learned is that it, it's not the student's fault. It is not uh, their responsibility. It is the parents' responsibility as adults, and it is our responsibilities as staff members that could create this change. Students are, you know, they could learn to advocate for themselves as they get older, but we need to keep in mind these are still children. Um, a lot of people might say, well, these students or children are making grown decisions, and I would have to, um, emphasize that their circumstances had pushed them uh, to view them, for people to view them in, these, in, in this perspective. And so even though they are making grown decisions, um, that they are still, um, you know, being affected by the system. And that is the purpose of, of 13th is so that we, as the people, could have these conversations about 
the youth in that pipeline that you know directs them straight to the to the system, the jail prisons. And so um, it is up to the the districts, um, the educational system, the whole in the whole country to acknowledge this, not only to acknowledge but to push forward and um, create that change and being able to um, advocate for students that are being affected by this. And I've, I've had many stories too with students that have, um, you know, opened up to me uh, about, you know, their, their view and how other people view them based off of their skin color as well as my own and other people's experiences that, you know, that we've, we've been affected by this. And so uh, I think it's great, Freddie, that you are wanting to create this for your students and provide 13th, which I feel uh, at that age between 12 and 17 is, is a great age. They're aware enough to understand what, what's happening. And even though this, this film is a very grotesque, um, very intense, I, I do feel that many times a lot of the youth in these communities have seen a lot, of, you know, and so there's nothing that that it will probably sh shake them. So why not have that conversation? Why not start creating these uh, conversations with them? A lot of the times uh, staff members haven't experienced any of this, so it's more of a shocker to them than it is for the students. And so that lets me know that, you know, it is us, uh, the people that work for the educational system that needs to be more aware and uh, to advocate for our students. And it, it shouldn't be the students advocating for themselves, even though that's a good thing, but that's just my take on that. Mm -hmm. If I uh, can- Let me ask uh, this question. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. If I can piggyback quickly off of what you said you were saying, um, I believe that that was the whole purpose of us starting this group was so that other people will want to use this information to get the word out there to spread it. So I think all of us are very overjoyed to hear that you and, you know, the people that I was talking about in my community are wanting to start groups and wanting to have these discussions because, you know, the reality is we've donated our time. This is not, we're not getting paid for this. This is a something we're doing on the side. We've put in hours. I can't even count how many hours we put in of discussions, of book discussions, of curating this content, of writing these uh, PowerPoints, of, you know, putting together these session guides that Louise Miller, who, uh, you know, is one of our group members, has put together. You know, we put in so much time and effort into this, and it was, the goal was never to have it stay in our group. We don't want to hoard this information. We wanted it to spread. So I'm glad that it is finally, you know, looking like it's going to do that. And hopefully it'll, uh, you know, positively affect other people. The information itself, again, systemic racism, is not a beautiful thing to talk about. Nobody wants to be talking about it. But I think there is power in having that knowledge and understanding. And, you know, we've been, well, not directly, but we've kind of brainstormed about going into younger schools, like high schools and such, and we've kind of been thinking, is this subject content too much for them? But to me, as a black person, 20-year-old almost, um, I realized that if, if you can live it, I don't think it's too much to see because it's happening, right? I mean, I think the rebuttal from a lot of people, especially people that aren't black, you know, the parents in schools would be like, well, this is too much for my child. 
well, you know, the black children that your child sits next to in class have experienced this already. Emmett Till, when he was killed, was 14 years old. 14. That's within the age bracket of 12 to 17 that you're trying to show this to. So, you know, if they can torture a child, a literal child, a freshman age, you know, in high school and kill him because of looking at somebody else, you know, I think your child can sit through a few hours of, uh, you know, a well put together documentary that has very useful information. So it is potentially a lot, but I think it's not any more than what we experience on a day-to-day basis. And that's, you know, what Yesenia was saying, it is not surprising to people of color, these things that are shown in the documentary, because we've seen them firsthand. It's more surprising to people who haven't had experience with them yet. So I think that's another reason why this is so important to put out, because it shouldn't be surprising to anybody, the reality that we face every day. Everyone should know about this. Everybody should be outraged that this is happening to children, to adults, to anybody. Mm-hmm. I want to ask David. I want to ask David. I want to ask David uh, in regards to uh, you being a teacher. Um, I'm going to uh, bring in uh, the teachers that are Pacer teachers that teach in, in the garden and be out with us. Uh, one of them is head of uh, the nutritional department for the whole school. He's head of all of the lunchrooms. And the other one, Deidre Odom. Uh, Ms. Odom is also on the um, uh, on the board for uh, the Patient Corporation as well as on the board for um, um, the other work that we do here uh, at the Culture Center. Um, talk to me about inside the staff on at your school. What is the, the feel for recruiting? people that are tuned to issues of race and, and teaching children and, and on your on your at your school there. Talk 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 about what that atmosphere is like. It, 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 so far as you as a teacher and that staff. We may have covered it yeah, before. So, well Go ahead. well I you know I can say I can say that, you know, any topic of of race is extremely uh sensitive in the school. And a lot of times yeah, when the topics yeah. get brought up, there seems to be kind of a, a, a an effort among the staff to try to shift it to, to something else, an awkwardness. Uh, but you cannot uh, change what you don't what you don't own. You cannot change what you don't see. And um, you know, I've been in situations where I I tried to bring up race and. Basically, the, the struggle is is that those that are resistant to what we're talking about, those that want to, you know, uphold the banner of white supremacy, are very, very strong and calculated in in what they do. So, if you bring something about race, it would be very common for a staff to say, "Oh, no, it's not about that." In fact, uh, uh, I had brought up an issue of of race, you know, on multiple times. Uh, and and it wouldn't be uncommon for me to get an eye roll uh, from a staff or to quickly be uh, spoke spoken over, and um, you you know uh, in fact we we had a teacher that you know was Indian um, and made made some jokes racist jokes about her own Indian culture and used that as a leeway to gloss over what I had to say. 
And basically what she was doing is she was basically making the covert uh, prejudice comments she was making acceptable through humor and getting everyone on board with her to basically not really listen uh, to what I had to say. And so what you're seeing is that there are some staff members in that group that are watching that happen. You know, they're watching the school social worker, you know, when I'm mentioning the the do-rag or the tie-down for a student and trying to explain to the teachers that it doesn't mean you're in a gang. It's just uh, for hair texture. And, And when I'm trying to create that education and I'm having a social worker say, I think, uh, you know, someone's put do-rag over your face and the whole room laughs. Well, any teacher that might want to be part of the discussion, um, uh, you know, has now seen uh, a type of humiliation, a type of dismissiveness uh, to the teacher that that tried to bring this uh, to light and, and has been silent. And so it's really important, regardless of the laughs, regardless of the co- how they were, it's to, to build this infrastructure. Now, when this was happening to me, this was just, just about a year ago before the pandemic, and so I haven't had the opportunity to connect with staff since George Floyd, since uh, the movement became more mainstream, you know, since we saw the cop killer get put in jail, uh, since we saw all of these uh, videos of people acting like idiots getting fired. So, it will be interesting to see when I get back into those live um, <clears throat> staff meetings if uh, my voice would be taken more serious because basically if we can sit in a staff meeting and discuss these issues and fix them before they go viral, uh, you know, there's some people that they don't want to fix racism out of the goodness of their heart but they might want to fix it so that they don't end up on a video and get humiliated and lose their job. Well, to me, I would like them to do it out of the goodness of their heart, but if that's not possible, uh, we just need to make the change. And one of the strategies, the last thing I wanted to say, one of the strategies that we want to use is I want to talk to uh, the Yuba City uh, School District because they do, you know, multiple trainings in the year. And what they do is they set up um, a catalog of trainings and teachers can choose um, during the, the training day which trainings they want to go to. Uh, I think that would be extremely valuable uh, because that would mean everybody coming in uh, to the presentation uh, would probably be interested in that type of work. And what you could do is you could take those voices of individuals that kind of sat back and were nervous to speak up watching their co- uh, colleagues get blasted, and they could see – Maybe our numbers aren't as small as they thought they were, and they could see that, you know, if we stand together, we can be that strong voice. Um, we can be organized. So that's that's one of the strategies. And, you know, to, full, to try to fully answer your question, um, you know, because of the pandemic, I haven't been in the mix. Um, and I'm, I'm, it'll be interesting uh, next school year to see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I I I I think what you I don't you know, think about it. I know what you just said is powerful, because in order for a seed to begin to grow, there has to be a cultivating of the environment for it to grow in. And um, 
I want to ask you to do this for me, uh, David. In your time leisure, uh, your time that you have, go on Facebook on 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 uh, any page you want to. Well, well, Safeway is my page, and talk about you just talked about in realistic terms, like you just got through talking about to plant the seeds to some what I'm going to be doing here in the future with uh City uh, Race Dialogue here locally. I am going to bring it full center because uh the environment that I'm already in and what I already do with students. And uh, if you don't mind, you can put it on my page, anyone on my pages, any way you want to, or you can write it in the comments after this. But please do that. And because that was yeah, I'll uh, do it. to the to the rest of the committee, uh, that was awesome right there. That that happens in classrooms and in in, in in meetings that they have. You always got folks in there that they don't say nothing. The minute you get to get into the real issues, they want to cover up. They want to throw water on. They want to keep things status quo. No, we can't change that. No, don't get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it never changes. That's why it stays just like it is. And racism yeah. in America, that is the core key of it. You think it doesn't matter and that if you get into it, somebody's going to get hurt. And the problem is, it's you. You the problem. You the one. You the one that keeps it like it is. You the one. I hate to put it in those terms. I didn't mean to get too down on it, <laughs> but anyway, that's this way. No, no, it's uh, it's it's true. It's it, it's it's deceptive because it doesn't look so, you know, on the surface. But it, it it's it's one of the big factors of why we are where we are, you know, and 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 what we need to do to 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 push through that. Uh, barrier, but yeah, I will. I'll post on the uh, your page and just uh, try to, you know, share some share some of what I've observed. And you know, remember, like the real power is going to be in the students. I I probably know five percent of what's there because I built relationships with students and what they shared with what they chose to share with me. But the real power is in, in the youth itself because they know more of what's going on um, through their creative uh, minds, you know, and, and sharing and us listening, um, you know, that's how we can work with this. Um, but, you know, imagine if what I've seen is nothing compared to uh, what the students have experienced. Okay. Um, I want to bring in another conversation in regards to uh, racism and uh, the situation with uh, uh, the young lady, teenager being shot by the policeman uh, that was had the knife in her hand that was uh, in the process of uh, in the attack mode and she was shot and killed. And LeBron James, who is a lightning rod, if he claps his hand, the thunder is heard everywhere. They just love to attack and stand on, um, ridicule, talk about whatever. Guys can, do y'all feel any 
for, for, for one thing, let me say this. You should be very careful about what you say and how you say things. You should be put it in a uh, diplomatic, well, I don't know, I don't know if diplomatic is the word, I don't, know what, I don't know what the word to use, but you should use it in a manner that will be helpful and beneficial to all. It's kind of like the saying that we have in the church. When you speak in the church, you speak to the church that will what will be beneficial for all. You see what I'm saying? You don't say such and such sister. You need to pay your church salary. You don't come to church anyway. Blah blah. You know what I'm saying? You don't put it that way. You say it in some kind of way to let her understand. We need your support. It, it helps if we all contribute. You know, you put it in a manner that can be useful for all. In a long and a short way. Can we talk about the issue in regards to LeBron and the backlash and what it's taken? And where is the roots of racism in there? Is there racism? Is it something else? Anybody want to talk about that? Well, uh, um, I mean, I would say the racism is, you know, starts with the um, starts with the comment of shut up and dribble, you know, um, you know, you have someone like uh, uh, Tom Brady speak out and, oh, it's so wonderful. He can speak out on issues. And then you have LeBron speak out and he gets a backlash. Well, that's, that's a threat, uh, you know, to white supremacy because white supremacy enjoys its uh, football game. And, uh, and basically, you know, you see, uh, someone on the TV that's that's black in sports and makes millions of dollars, and that's your justification or, or your cloak uh, to keep things the same because, you, you know, you see a man and you're like, he's a millionaire, he has a mansion, we're not having a problem. And so when that person uh, stands up and speaks and says something, it, it hits uh, a nerve because it's like, wait a minute, you're supposed to represent the American dream and how we're not all that bad. But now you're speaking on on something, and and I think that that's part of why he gets put down. Uh, I did I did see that incident, uh, you know, with the girl that got stabbed, um, and it was really sad. Um, and one one thing I noticed is the police released the video a lot quicker. Um, and I think one of the things that can help in these cases is for the police to release the video quicker, but I find it ironic that it seems like they released the video quicker if it would vindicate the police in their minds. Um, and, and I think that's something that needs to be looked at because if, if you're going to release the video uh, and you're going to have a timeline, it shouldn't be subject to whether it's going to help the police or not. So that's that's one thing I would look at. And another thing I would look at is what were the chain of events uh, with this girl that called for help? Um, she was in uh, uh, foster care, or she was, uh, you know, what what happened to her mother? What were the services uh, to help her mother in foster care? Was she having emotional issues? Was there issues of uh, bullying going on? You know, in in so many of these cases, we want to look at the very end after the fact after things went down, after things went bad. And then, um, you know, the police officer, he was in a, a tough position because basically 
um, uh, unfortunately, the girl the girl that called, you know, she she had had a knife in her hand, and um, basically, she she was saying that she was using, or it was said that she was using the knife for self defense. Um, the only the only struggle with that argument was that um, basically, you know, when the cops pulled up, if it was pure self defense. Uh, then she would have dropped the weapon and it headed in the direction of the cop, which tells me that this may have been um, a bullying situation where the girl just had enough. And by the time police, the police officer got there, she had lost, uh, you know, control. Uh, but I also think that it's really interesting how on social media, you know, white people that never want to do posts, um, you know, when you have someone like George Floyd, they never want to do posts. You know, when the cops are murdering blacks in cold blood, but all of a sudden they can do a post in this case and say, oh, hey, look, yeah, see this case. And, and they want to show a case like this, and they want to use it to, uh, to somehow discredit all the other cases. Um, and then they want to demand uh, that individuals that were shining light on the other cases go out there and, and parade this case and, and – um, and that's that's part part of where I would see the racism. Um, I'm glad that it's taken serious. Uh, I think every single time, you know, as a police officer, if you have a gun, that's a responsibility needs to be taken uh, seriously. Those uh, these are human lives, and I think that um, <clears throat> there should be fear if you're going to do that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pieces to this. But I think that the discussion, um, you know, is is worth having, and it's really sad because, from my understanding, there it, the whole thing was just fighting over cleaning. Well, how tragic is that that we lost a life because of some cleaning? And mm-hmm. in the chain of events, what could have been done? I mean, what a what a loss of life just over something so so small in the chain of events. Um, I I say to what you guys are doing when you are walking the streets and interacting with community people and you are planting the seeds of uh, improved uh, uh, race relations with uh, all the community citizens regardless of what color or what ethnicity they are, you will you be dealing with and breaking down those barriers of uh, foster care and bullying, uh, all those root causes caused to, for big issues to explode into national issues. And when you touched on the fact that uh, she was a, a foster kid and had the history of foster care, which is, you know, sometimes in and out of several homes or sometimes just in and out of one home, but whatever, all of the seeds for later destruction, whether it's through racism or bullying or whatever aspects of we human put upon each other, they're all there. And when you guys walk the streets and talk and you be breaking down those barriers, making the road more smoothly for somebody to transition from where they are to someplace better in the human relationship. I I thank you all for that. That's the stuff that it makes society better. Uh, that's the things that God wants us to do with each other and for each other. 
and about each other. I don't mean to preach, but that's just the reality of it. It's, it's, it's so much need for breaking down these trouble barriers that life has brought us, and life brings all of them to us. Um, guys, we have uh, been at it now for two hours, two hours, almost two, two hours. we got 21 minutes left of live streaming time. Uh, is there something that you guys want to bring forward that um, that would be additional help and beneficial to our listeners that want to be involved in this? Um, I want to expand from our um, uh, set of uh, Yuba City uh, workers here and me to bringing in external voices that are dealing with the issues of race, our, our pros and cons about it. How do we, you know, you have to continue to put the word out, but how do we begin to break down that so that more people can come in on our conversation? Question you just asked, but I wanted to really quickly go back to uh, what Dave was saying about the LeBron James situation. I okay, go, I go. will admit my ignorance. I will admit my ignorance of the situation. I did not see what actually happened with this specific case and this girl and his response to it, but I will address what I can speak on. Um, so the book that we've been reading that sparked, you know, this whole community thing that we've been doing is, so you want to talk about race by Ijoma Uluo. Um, and she has a chapter in there in which she talks about tone policing and tone policing is essentially uh, the standard that, black people or people of color are held to when they're discussing race issues. Um, people often say that their approach was wrong. So LeBron James, for example, I don't know exactly how he responded, but I'm assuming, I'm assuming he was very heated. Maybe he used some profanity. I don't know. But people, you know, if we respond that way, they criticize us. They say that, you know, we shouldn't be heard. We should have come with a different approach. And, you know, it disgusts me when people say that, quite frankly, because we are normal people. We aren't held to a higher standard. We are citizens of this country. We are speaking about injustices that we see, whereas police who are often, you know, doing these things that are causing outrage are under an oath. They're supposed to serve the community. They are supposed to be held to a higher standard. And in my experience, it seems that they are held to, we are held to a higher standard than they are when we have these conversations. Um, I've seen multiple videos, especially with the George Floyd protest last year, where police are interacting with people in vile ways. They're cursing them out. They're, you know, just all sorts of things, instilling fear in them, telling them that they should be scared and, you know, just abusing their position completely. And that is overlooked, even though they have an oath to protect and serve everybody, not just white people, everybody. But when people of color talk about these situations, talk about the pain we're feeling, talk about how wrong it is, we are held to the standard that they should be held to. We are told we shouldn't be talking that way. We should respond more calmly. And I just, I find that comical because we have no obligation to society. We are normal people. We have not said that we will act in a certain way, whereas cops have, you know, switched. Anyway, that's just my two cents. And I think if you can, you should definitely get that book. So you want to talk about race by Ijoma Uluo. Um, I think it'll enlighten you a lot in a lot of ways. Um, as far as reaching into the community more and making this conversation more accessible for everybody, one, I think 
this this radio show is really doing that because we are, you know, we don't even live in the same state, but we're able to come on here and talk about what we're doing in our community. There seems to be interest from your community about what we are doing and ways to implement that into your community. And I also think uh, Facebook, you know, our Facebook page, Yuba Sutter Race Dialogues, uh, people can try to join that or not try, but they can, you know, request to join and we can approve them. Um, we put out information on there. We put articles out. We have discussions on there. And like I teased before, our podcast, which is not available yet, we are working on it currently. Maybe next time we come on, we can have an update on that and they can, you know, be directed there. But um, we're hoping to have, you know, these kind of conversations on the podcast. And even we have, you know, the ability to have people submit questions. So if people want to submit voice questions asking, you know, specific things. How did we tackle this in our community? How did we solve this? How do you think I should go about doing this? And we can address those on the podcast. I think with social media, there is a lot more accessibility to answers, to resources, to people going through the same things uh, that are able to offer their insight. I think that's a really good uh, platform and a good start. And hopefully soon our podcast will be available and it'll be very helpful for everyone. But I do think, you know, Right now, the radio show is amazing, and I think it's reaching a lot of people. A lot of people are even just being exposed to this information that wouldn't have known about it otherwise. So I think that is a very good uh, tool to drive this forward. I want to say um, I've enjoyed the program, and each time that I'm on with you guys, it's, uh, it's, it's, it gets into you. It gets it. it, it uh, I would say it consumes you, but it it it, it grabs your attention. Uh, David, um, well, we have a few more minutes left of live streaming time. I I have a platform that um, I do with um, uh, videos, and, and, and I want to see can I set up at our next one where that we'll be live via video and I'm going to see can I get it squared away and I'll work with you. Is there a media savvy person on our team? Yeah, we can um, you know, I'm pretty strong with technology Kareen is, Yesenia is and even though Miss Pope says that she's not, she 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 is, um, she's the um, she is, she's very humble about it but you know, she's the president of Toastmasters and she's a Zoom uh, guru, actually. She knows a, lo- a lot with the technology. There's a few tricks that some of us might not know or that some of us know, but she learns it really fast. Uh, she she is actually very savvy as well. Okay. All right. Great. So whenever we set our next one up, let's work on um, video and it through the, the sources that are available. I'm not talking about through uh, Zoom, but there's another one that I use that I call Speak Up and Speak Out and Speak Lies about, and it, I do it with musicians. But I have only do it, I did it with just two people, but I'm thinking with four or five of us, that's what I would like to see. Can we do it with four or five people doing it? It'll be the same as Zoom, but it's, I, I find it more easier to operate than Zoom for me, that is. Yeah, I, I've seen. Now, will that stream to the Facebook Live? Yeah. 
Yeah, I stream it to. Oh, that's. Great. I stream it to Facebook Live, and I stream in the. I stream to Facebook Live and YouTube at the same time. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we can get it going. Yeah. Yeah. I I I'm hoping, guys, that when we do our next one, that that that's how we do it, and we'll have an, an additional avenue of distribution of uh, publication of, 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 of what we're doing. Yeah, we'll try, we'll try to get together uh, before uh, okay. beforehand and test everything out. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay, guys. Um, anybody um, in the last 13 minutes have uh, any more comments or that would like to bring forward? First, let me say this. I thank you all for what you all do. I've said this every time. I really appreciate what you do. It, um, and me, I'm, I'm, I, I, I come from a, I, I call myself an escaped lynch here. Do I? Hello, no, say hi. Huh? on the radio. Yeah. I, I call myself somebody that escaped. So what now? So, Oh, I was just Ready. saying, I think she was unmuted on accident. Yeah. Oh, oh. Hi, this is Joyce Pope, uh, uh, and I just wanted to comment, uh, and Corinne, you were so on point in regard to tone policing, um, because that's a part of, of this shutting the communication about race down, uh, as well as another thing that shuts the communication about race down is to be hurt or feel you don't have to talk about it or don't want to talk about it. Um, and this, though, reminds me of our President Bush when he was interviewed in regard to what were some of the few things that you can list out of the four years you have been president that impacted you the most. And here you have the President of the United States saying, someone called me racist. Was number one priority of things that happened to him as a President of the United States in a four-year period. And so that means when you start to talk about race, there are people, oftentimes white, that, don't, that automatically feel you're talking about me I'm not racist, and I don't want to engage in this. He was hurt, so traumatized by the idea that someone thought he was racist. I'm sure there are a lot of white folks out there that feel the same way. I just wanted to, to add that to the mix this morning. And, again, appreciate you, Mr. Freddie, for allowing us on your program. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you. I, I'm, chewing, I'm chewing on something, but I'm I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, that's great. That, um, I, you know, earlier we talked about this, and one of our team members was going to have to leave, so I let her go uh, ahead of me, so I never got to this. But when you asked, or not, I don't think you asked, but I think Dave uh, gave his opinion about the George Floyd trial and the conviction of Derek Chauvin. And, you know, while that is amazing, right, because somebody was killed in cold blood on video, he should have been put in jail. So I'm glad that that went through. I think that they're in the eyes of the community, this is a bigger victory than it truly is. Okay. Um, 
now hear me correctly, like I said, it is great that this man was convicted, but uh, there have been many, 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 many killings of black people, and not just black, black, brown, it doesn't matter, any people of color, and they've gone without justice. You know, it makes me wonder how Breonna Taylor's family feels in this situation. It makes me wonder how um, Troy, uh, what's his name? Sorry, Trayvon Martin's family feels in this situation. You know, all these people that were killed in cold blood, and you know, these people got off. Their killers got off, and it makes me sad for them. And I think as a as a nation, we are moving in somewhat of a good direction with you know the progress and at least having these conversations. But I think there still is. Uh, a massive I feel misunderstanding about a lot of it and um, I think that Chauvin was a sacrificial lamb I feel that the only reason he was convicted was because it was on video because there was literal undeniable evidence of his uh, malice and his you know killing somebody for no reason um, I believe that if it wasn't on video, maybe he would not have been convicted or maybe he would have been convicted of one of the charges instead of all three. Um, and I think that's unfortunate, but I really do, truly think that they sacrificed him. They, as in, you know, the police department and everybody involved was willing to sacrifice him uh, because if they didn't, they knew there would be national unrest. I mean, what we saw after George Floyd's death was huge Mm -hmm. so imagine what would have happened if he had gone through the trial and no charges were brought no convictions were made against him imagine how much worse it would have been then so i think that this was a sacrifice and i think that we have a long 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 way to go and i feel that the reason also that he was convicted was because people are still trying to make the police departments of america look better make it look like they do actually care when in reality this is one conviction out of many murders that have gone without justice. I agree with you 100%. In other words, the glare of his action was facilitated by his past consistent behavior. What he did was who he was. That is who that policeman is. That's what he showed. And the fact that if he had not been convicted, I believe you talking about separation of a country, this would have been the first stake in that. I mean, it would have been untold damage. Truly, yeah, I think it would have led to another civil war. United States. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, here's, the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the real key crust to that. Now, when you, I listen to all media because I love media. But when you listen to Fox, their point is they never satisfied. They want more. Talking about those who want police justice, those who want uh, people's rights to be upheld. They, you know what I'm saying? How, justice has no yeah. limit. Justice has yeah. no limit. You know, if they, if they were on Go the ahead. side of the truth, they wouldn't be opposing it. If they were on the side of the truth and, you know, the right uh, 
I don't know, the right side of history like they claim to be, they would not be opposing justice. They would not be outraged at the fact that yeah. a murderer was convicted. I mean, I saw uh, Ben Shapiro, his Republican, uh, you know, speaker. I don't know exactly what he does. I don't know too much about him, but I know that he's well-known in the Republican scene, conservative scene. And he tweeted, uh, somebody had tweeted out that they were, you know, satisfied with the fact that justice was served in the case of George Floyd. And he responded to that tweet saying, if the conviction had gone the other way, I bet you wouldn't be happy saying that it was justice. And it's like, yeah, Ben, we wouldn't be happy if the conviction had gone the, uh, if there was no, you know, if there was no conviction, because that's not justice. He killed a man in cold blood and sat on his neck for nine minutes in the street. Like what, you know, this is, what people think. This is how they talk. He genuinely thought that that made sense, that somebody should be yeah. happy if a murderer walked free. And, you know, this is, this is who represents uh, the conservative, you know, party. And I'm not saying that all conservatives are bad or all conservatives think this way, because I know that's not true, but a lot of them do. And the ones that are showcased do. Tucker Carlson, I mean, come on. There's been so many uh, Fox News segments that I've seen in headlines where they're talking about nonsense, where they're intentionally misconstruing information just to get their base riled up. And I think if they were truly on the right side of history as they claim to be, they would not need to do that. You can look at the facts of a situation and come to a conclusion truthfully if you're right. You don't need to make up this propaganda and be outraged about things that aren't even accurate. Mm -hmm. I saw yesterday um, Fox News and its elements of uh, skewing uh, right to the wrong or wrong to the right or just skewing information, putting schismal in true information is just their game. And they were talking about the issue of uh, the president and so forth as uh, sending a mixed message of uh, um COVID-19 vaccination and things of that nature. And I touched on that because you hit a nerve when you said they talk about stuff that doesn't make any sense. It didn't have, it has no, I mean, it, it has value in a sense, but talk about real issues. Sure, COVID-19 is, 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 has killed a lot of us and is still killing us and is a, a major thing. But why are you dwelling on the fact that whether or not uh, this administration sends mixed messages about it. There's no mixed message about COVID-19. It's deadly and it's killing, and people need to take the shot. If you haven't taken the shot, finally get the education that you need so you can take the shot. It, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Why, yes. why perpetuate this, this this thing like Bush Nim doesn't care and that what uh, – uh, the past president, uh, Donald Trump, done, needs to carry more weight. Hey, come on. Get people vaccinated and, and stop the, the virus. That's the deal. Yes, hey. I agree. And you know what? It, it, it's a profit off of misinformation. I don't want to say that I agree with every, you know, left, liberal, yeah, whatever media news source because I don't. I, I'm very neutral. I, I'm independent. But my thing is with Fox, when I look at their stuff, 
it is so obvious that they're profiting off of misinformation. They love to do that. They love to lie to the public. And, I mean, all these Republican leaders do the same thing. Like when, when COVID-19 was first going down and we were starting to, uh, you know, get real serious and people were dying every single day of mass numbers, they're talking about, it's a hoax, it's a hoax, blah, blah, blah. I mean, poor Herman Cain was talking about the same thing. He had tweeted about how it's a hoax. Then, you know, a week later, literally, was dead from the virus. So, you know, they, they perpetuate this misinformation knowing that it's a lie, but they don't care because they tend, nine times out of ten, have access to the resources that others don't. So when Trump was perpetuating the fact that this is a lie and, oh, it's a hoax, it didn't matter for him because he's rich. He went to the best hospital and recovered, even though he got sick. But his lies have directly affected other people who believe him because they were acting irresponsibly as well, not wearing their masks, not social distancing, because, hey, if it's good enough for the president, it's good enough for me. And they died. There were literally people on social media who were self-proclaimed Trump supporters who were posting about how the virus is a hoax, how they're going to continue to go outside. And in multiple occasions, uh, next thing you know, this person is dead. Their, their friends and family are posting an obituary for them because they got COVID because of their irresponsibility. And when the vaccine came out, all these people talking about how the vaccine, oh, it's bad, it's, it's too early, I'm not going to get the vaccine, don't get the vaccine, we don't need the vaccine, all these Republican people saying that, then who's the first on TV getting the vaccine? They're Republicans. So, I mean, just give me a break. The mass information is just exhausting, and it's infuriating because – you know, although these people don't agree with me politically, they are people. They have lives. Their lives did matter. And they died because of misinformation that was spread recklessly for profit. Hello. This is Jay. Yeah, Thank ahead. you, Corinne. Go ahead. Very good point. Very good point. And what I wanted to kind of piggyback on what Corinne was saying because it's a realization to me today, and it's so obvious. I have worked in the field of mental health while I was working as a nurse for seven years. And during that time, I noticed that there are some situations in life where if you say right, the person in front of you will say left. If you say up, the person in front of you will say down. And that person uh, sometimes will not agree with you. They, no, no matter how right you are with your statements, there's something in them that won't agree. In fact, there's something in them that feel compelled. They have to have an opposite point of view. When I hear a lot of the Republican rhetoric and propaganda, it seems to be in response to what is going on on the left side. So, therefore, if this is what is going on in life events, on the left side, and this is the left perception of it, the Republicans feel obligated to formulate the opposite opinion because they cannot agree. They don't want to agree. They would rather die than agree. And that's on every point, it appears, on the table. And so you have to, I think, go forward in knowing that you're right and continue to do that work and facilitate as many people in that same concept of rightness going forward because there are certain individuals on the right side that will not agree no matter what. 
You aren't even, mm-hmm. you know, being sarcastic in this point. There are people that literally, rather than agree, rather than admit to the science, died because they did not want to agree with Democrats. And that's a huge issue in this country. We act like everything is so black and white, and it's not. We can come to a middle ground on issues. It's not always Republican, Democrat. We can come together on things. You don't have to oppose each other on every single issue. I mean, it's just nonsensical, and it's it's just all for the political game. And, you know, people act like it is a game, but it's not. It's people's lives. You're governing people. People are dying or not dying as a result of your actions. And you know what? Another thing, comedy is is one thing, but uh, you have comedy on both sides about issues and situations that's on the left as well as on the right, or in the middle, independence, whatever. But when you make it a money-making thing, so far as your spinoff programs that you do on Fox, that's really sick from my perspective. You know what I'm saying? I, to 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 talk about the issues that are out there plaguing this nation, whether it's racism, whether or not it's poverty, whether or not it's wealth, whether it's taxes or whatever it is, we are all human beings. And guess what? Every single one of us have fallen short and continue to fall short. That is the human existence. That is the element of what humanity is. Instead of helping each other, instead of, I ain't talking about, you know, uh, just making comedy and laughing about different things, because laughters are always good for you, but not at the expense of destruction of those people. That's what's hurting. That's what I call sickness in, in, in regards to some elements of Fox spinoff programs. And they always seem to think, they love America so much. They're the only ones that love America. Oh, that just, ooh. But anyway, you, you, yes, you, you're um, getting into my. <laughs> but it's, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. I agree with, you know, what you're saying. Uh, they're the only ones who think they love America and all this stuff. Um, I feel like. At this point, it's becoming a joke, politics, honestly, because, yeah. you know, we just oppose each other so much on things that don't need to be opposed. You know, we could have come together yeah. on certain issues. And in 2020, there were so many lifelong Republicans that were interviewed on CNN, on various news platforms, asked, you know, why are you going to vote for Biden? And it wasn't because of Biden. It's not because they liked Biden. It's not because they supported Biden as an individual. It's because they didn't support Trump. You know, it's because uh, at this point, the fact that they're just taking two opposing sides, instead of agreeing that the virus was real, that we needed to protect ourselves, that we needed a plan as a country, Trump continued to deny it, continued to pretend that it didn't exist, and continued to negatively impact millions of Americans' lives to the point that lifelong Republicans were so fed up that they had to vote for a Democrat. And I don't think I don't think that politics should be so comical and so nonsensical that we have to do that. If you're a Republican, you should be able to vote for a Republican candidate because of their policies and the fact that you agree with them, not because you feel you have no other choice because voting for a specific Republican yeah. will continue to, you know, literally kill people. Like that's 
the, mm-hmm. the situation that we were in. Politics used to be about, you know, foreign policy and taxes and things like that. Now it's literally, okay, if I vote for this person, we're not going to have any plan on COVID-19 and millions of people are going to die. If I vote for this person that I don't agree with, at least we'll have a plan for COVID-19, but I don't agree with them. So it's a toss-up, and, you know, it's not, it's not fair anymore. People are being put in the middle and played with because of money, because of, you know, fame and notoriety that people want. And they're not realizing the social responsibility that they carry as presidents, as politicians, as senators, as, you know, all these you know, high up positions, they're supposed to be advocating for people, not using people to maintain their wallet. Mm-hmm. In other words, vote for somebody because he'll help everybody. He'll help. I don't care if it's, if it's Jack Rip, whoever, blue, green, purple, yellow, orange, vote for a person that's going to be helpful to society and to the, the benefit of mankind. Woo. But uh, I, 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 I am, 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 am enthused about how we're talking here, but I, I want to say this. We must continue to sound the bell for truth and honesty, integrity, and so forth, race is concerned. Because every, not everybody, some people on the right, some people on the left, in the middle, and all different segments of society, fight this culture war strictly through racism. And uh, I think it's very good that we continue to wage this battle as it permeates into all elements of, uh, of the American society. Guys, this, this has been an awesome Saturday morning. Um, and let me say this to you guys. Please share this in any many avenues as you possibly can. I know that I am the media person that my whole job is to push media stuff, but guys, share it any place you have available to share it because it's what you guys do and it is helpful to this country. Do not let anybody tell you, do not let anybody tell you that race does not matter. I had a friend of mine that I worked with for years here on the Martin Luther King. If race doesn't matter, why is it on your application? If it doesn't matter, what is it on paper for? Why is it written down? Your ethnicity, your color, how do you prefer to? You know what I'm saying? Some people, it's okay. Some people, it doesn't matter with some people one way or the other. It really doesn't. But it does matter with some folks, a lot of people. And a lot of them wanted to stay just like it is. Yeah, because they benefit greatly from the current state of affairs. Uh, yes, I will share this on as many platforms as I can. I do believe that my time has been, uh, you know, greatly used today. I enjoyed my time here, and I appreciate uh, you giving us this platform to share this information and just have these conversations because it's, it's always enriching. Um, I never leave here less knowledgeable than I came. So I'm, I'm very appreciative. Okay, David, it's been great, man. Um, let's yes, look forward to so work much. forward to, yeah, look forward to moving it to a higher level of uh, availability 
and uh, reaching from all sources. Um, all of the media platforms, anybody that has access to any media platform that you have, rebroadcast this, reshare this. It belongs to Yuba City. You guys do whatever you want to with it. Uh, I'm not no charging for nothing. I I do it because I love it. I do it because I love media. I do it because it's in my bones. You know what I mean? I, I, I just do it because I love it. All right, guys, I'll begin to wrap up. All right. Thank you, Freddie Howard. It's been good uh, discussing these issues, and we'll keep uh, pushing pushing forward and, and working, to, working together. All right. All right. Um, anybody else uh, have any closing remarks? Okay. No, I'll just well, let me say this. That's my closing remarks. Oh, I like it. I love it. I love it. Um, we look forward to our next broadcast. And David, um, you and I, and 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 and, and uh, Miss Pope, and all of us. Uh, once we come to a conclusion of a date, we'll we'll begin to solidify it with a video backup. And uh, however else we can uh, continue to present it to the media. All right. Okay, guys. Um, I'm um, about to close it out, and I thank every one of you for an awesome Saturday morning here from Alabama to California. Look at that. What a line. <laughs> from Alabama to California. Uh, All right. Thank okay, you, then, guys. Have a great day. You too. Thank you all. God bless you all. All right. Okay, David, take care now. Okay, um, we are at the end of our broadcast, and I want to say this. I'm. Um, let me go ahead and type this in. And uh, we have enjoyed the program for today. It has been awesome presentation, and we're going to close it with um, the comments from Yuba City Race Dialogue and what they are and who they are and all about them. And we hope that to create a learning community that shares knowledge and skills around anti-racism, work with other individuals and organizations. And look for the comments at the end of the broadcast from all of our callers today, David and Ms. Pope and all of them. We thank them all for this fantastic job they've done. Y'all take care now, and we'll see you next time on House Secret and Gospel Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Freddie Howard. You can find us on Facebook, on YouTube, on uh, Reverb Nation, on uh, Mixcloud, um, anywhere in media. Just type in the hashtag H-O-W-C. National Association of Black Defenders, Yuba Center, Race Dialogue. To one in favor of the resolution, which requires the county to eliminate any policies that harbor racial discrimination. And while protests and chants of Black Lives Matter may not be echoing nightly through the streets anymore, work is still being done to build better relationships between local law enforcement and the community. 
Some of that work is happening in Yuba County through a group called Race Dialogues. Their goal, to find solutions to race-based division through compassionate conversations. Black Lives Matter! The chants, marches, rallies, and sights of fist in the air are no longer visible on a daily basis here in Northern California. But calls for racial justice continue in the form of discussions. Race Dialogues. A group of eight different people with four common goals. Create a learning community, deepen understanding of systematic racism and its effect on today's institutions, culture and beliefs, improve skills in countering racism and organizing for racial justice, and network in a way that strengthens and expands outreach, influence, and effectiveness in overcoming systematic racism. Johnson I spoke with four members, Joyce Pope, founder of the Tri-County African American Alliance, Yesenia Kachu, student support specialist at Marysville Joint Unified School District, Nayati Melissa Cleveland, community activist, and Susan Allen, teacher and author. The group says race dialogues is paramount for individuals to heal and move forward. This is the time. This is the moment. We are here now, and we need to look this issue in the face, and we need to have those dialogues, and we need to grow from that experience, because it, we all can agree that it is a really uncomfortable time. It is a real uncomfortable experience to reach out and have those kinds of communications, but we know as a group here that our community can do that. The emphasis that I want to bring out in this is building the bridges between communities, people, individuals. Um, we all have different backgrounds. We all work at different places and have lived in different areas. We have such an array of diverse backgrounds, even with me and Joyce, having the same racial background on the outside, you know, we still have different upbringings, different experiences. So I think the race dialogue is not just good for cross races, but it's good for us in, inside our race too, to understand different points of view. My goal is to propagate an understanding of what's happening with systemic racism in our country. Taking a proactive approach, the group has already held successful roundtable discussions between local law enforcement and the community, helping bridge the gap. Cleveland says it's led to more positive engagement from police at community events. So we've had Juneteenth, things like that have been more public, publicized since then. The backpack giveaways that they've done for back to school. The police have helped the community in those giveaways more. So I do believe that it started bridging a gap. However, I believe that it only, it was only a drop in the ocean. I believe that it knocked on the door, but unless we continue to do more of those, then it would have been for nothing. Race Dialogue says their discussions with police took place well before the death of George Floyd, who died while in custody of Minneapolis police. Floyd's death sparked months of unrest across the country and put a renewed spotlight on law enforcement's use of excessive force, violence, and racism. Since the incident, Race Dialogue says they've been working to schedule another discussion with their local law enforcement agencies. The hope is to come to an understanding so that what happened in Minnesota doesn't happen in their community.
I expect more growth in the future because they were receptive to us before, and I expect the police department to continue to be receptive to our, our ideas because these are ideas that are supporting the community at large, and I believe the community would appreciate that as well. Members of Race Dialogues have been hard at work these last few months. They successfully implemented a four-credit workshop on the film 13th at Yuba College. Khalif Browder was walking home from a party when he was stopped by police. A galvanizing documentary which refers to the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which permits slavery as a punishment for crime. We're going to discuss each part and how it pertains to today, how it pertains back then, and how it connects. They plan to offer additional panel discussions with Yuba Sutter community leaders and law enforcement. They're also holding book discussion groups to enlighten the public on systematic racism. The goal is to pass along valuable information that will be sustained in the community for years to come. Race Dialogues does realize not everyone is open, ready, and willing to learn. But for those who are, this is a new day. None of us have been here before. We've never had the courage to talk about race face-to-face -face with all the individuals that it affects. It is not the black person's responsibility to teach our white comrades in regard to race and the pain it has caused us as a group of people in this country. But in order to heal, in order to go forward, I think all the players in the community have a place. We all have a place today at the table. As for what a positive path forward looks like. Getting rid of implicit biases. Understanding that we are more alike than we are different. Mm -hmm. It looks like having a community where the police aren't policing the community but one with the community, that they're helping the kids cross the street and not chasing the kids across the street. We all know that can happen, but at least try. And we want to see that effort. And I, I'd look forward to
your hands and open your mouth and worship him, give him glory. Come on, let's love on him tonight. Let's tell him how much we love him. Let's express the sentiments of our heart to him. Come on, let's give him glory in this house. Magnify his name. Come on, Zion. Turn the volume up on your worship. Give him glory tonight. He's worthy to be worshipped and adored. He's worthy to be magnified and extolled. Oh, we bless your name tonight, Lord. With the fruit of our lips, do we give you thanks? You're worthy of all glory and honor and praise. We magnify you for who you are and for what you're doing. And we love you tonight. We love you tonight. We express to you that we love you tonight. We lift up our hands and we sing one more time to the Lord. Come on, everybody, sing it. I love you, Lord. I love
because you've proven to be everything I need. When everyone else turns against me, you're always by my side. You bring the warmth in the morning to shine on the The silver stars to light up the night. Your love is eternal and forever. And I love you Everything that is with me. There is none else like you, oh God. And I love you forever. Forever you're my king.